Hey Ryan, welcome to the World Lab Podcast. I'm James Marshall and this episode was brought to you by Pure Sports CBD Oil and Fortune Favours. Go over to the wadlad.com website, what a website, um, and find out how you can get involved with any of these juicy discounts off these products. But let's get into this one. I'm super excited to have today's guest on. I feel like this could be one of the most valuable episodes yet for any young aspiring young player. Um, this guest was one of the most gifted young players that you'll ever see. He made the New Zealand under-19s, New Zealand under-21s, the Tasman Marco and the Canterbury ITM Cup side and literally got kicked out of all four of those sides. He went over to San Don in Italy and he also got kicked out of them and now he is a player coach for Vincenza and is an absolute lad. He's turned the corner, he's willing to share his advice. It is the gifted one himself, Robbie Flynn. Welcome Flynny, thanks for coming on. Mate, how are you, mate? Pleasure to be here. Honestly, you're an absolute legend. I'm so glad I'm on this show. Mate, I can't Let's wait. Go. I can't wait to hear your story. I know you've had, I know little bits of your story, and I know it's been some journey. So, I'm looking forward to yeah. hearing the 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 full story coming from the man himself. But you're in Italy at the moment. Yeah. What's what's the situation over there with the COVID? <laughs> I know you guys were hit pretty hard, but how is it at the moment? Yeah, yeah, um, it's basically become normal life now you know you just wear your mask wash your hands and i'm not thinking about it too much mate i'm working um training hard and just trying to wait for the season to come so true so there's no lockdown or anything yeah there's like a curfew at 10 o'clock and bars are like got restrictions and stuff like that the rules change every week you know different zones and stuff like that but mate you know just keep going yeah and what how's your season going uh, there is no season. We, I, <laughs> I haven't played rugby for about a year and a half now, so the body's loving it, mate. It's absolutely loving it. It's fully healed. I'm 35 years old, but I must honestly, I feel about 27 oh, at the moment. You know, I think I'm back in my prime after this coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty, yeah. Another 10 years to go. Maybe, oh, mate. Maybe. You know, you never know. So you're player coach now, eh? So that must be pretty cool. I wouldn't have really expected you to be. <clears throat> coaching but um, look you've turned the corner and now you're inspiring everyone around you would have never expected that with jimmy um no yeah i've been player coaching for like five years i'm actually having a year off now because it's quite hard to make the difference as a rugby player and to coach them at the same time so i've kind of taken a step back and just concentrating back on the footy for maybe my last couple of years you know so so we'll get back into the coaching in a couple of years, I think. And back to full-time player. I know you're still carving it up. I see your clips on your Instagram. Um, you've definitely still got it, still got that outline. Mate, it's, that's all I've got, though, eh? Just running that outline since fucking 01. <laughs> on the bounce. <laughs> on the bounce, mate. You know that's it. That's all I've got, mate, honestly. I just do the bounce, and they all fall for the same trick. And It's a race, mate. I say go, so... And I hope that ball's on the money. And that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's that easy. <laughs> anyway, but let's get to your journey. I know, like I said at the start, I know bits of it, but um, <clears throat> take us right back to the start for you. Um, what was it like growing up as young Robbie Flynn? Oh, mate. Um, growing up, well, let's get off to the start. So I was actually born. Um, this is going to be pretty heavy for, for everybody. I was actually born at... Um, addicted to heroin like that's pretty crazy right off the cuff this wasn't my choice um uh, my mum she died when i was one and a half um of um heroin overdose my dad he was uh uh pretty much a criminal professional criminal 
Um, so started off pretty bad, you know, and um, went into foster care and stuff like that. And then um, eventually, after about six months, I think, in foster care, I got my grandma, who had 10 boys, she um, decided to take number 11 and number 12 on, me and my brother, and in her retirement, legend of a lady, mate, legend of a lady to do that for us. And um, yeah, she took us in when I was probably about nearly two years old, so I don't really remember those first years, but apparently they were pretty tough and... You know, that was kind of the beginning, mate. And then, you know, once I moved in with my, my grandma, you know, things, they started to turn the corner and started, yeah, just being a kid, I suppose, being a happy kid. So, yeah, that was, that was the very beginning before I actually discovered rugby. So what's a um, heroin addict look like at a, as a one-year-old? How does, how does that even work? No idea, buddy. No idea, right? Like, I've got nothing wrong with me, you know, Um I, I don't know, mate, to be honest. I think I was weaned off it. I was, had to be put in like under, you know, a little bit of care when I was born. But, mate, to be honest, I don't remember it. And I don't, I've never really asked anyone. I've never had like a tight enough relationship with my dad or anyone close to actually ask the questions of what happened back in those days. But, you know, just kicked on and got through it, mate. So I survived, eh? Got lucky, man. But And where was your dad? What. He was in prison, I think, um, when I was born. So, and also when my mother died, he was probably spent about thirty years of his life in prison. So, you know, I didn't really have a father. I didn't have a father at all. So, you know, it was just my grandparents became my parents. Um, my nana Pat and Bob, absolutely champions of humans, mate. You could never ask for better. Bob was a bit grumpy, but he was a legend. And um, my nana, she was a, an angel, mate. She was an absolute angel. So she looked after us and taught us good values as much as she could. So, you know, tough beginning, mate. Very tough beginning. And you were brought up in Christchurch, am I right? Yeah. Um, Christchurch, born and raised. Um, had um, So because I was living with my nana, you know, I was around, she had 10 boys and they're all... Um, basically professional rugby players before the professional era so i was really involved with rugby culture mate so like it was awesome for me i was a kid growing up i was i was always around rugby man i loved it mate it was all like it was all over did i just played rugby i'd find anywhere to play rugby the backyard the hallway you know i had a brother as well so we'd just play rugby all day long and mate honestly it was a really to be honest it was a great childhood and you know i can't complain mate we we had great times so you know were you a bit of a troublemaker? Um, yeah, I was a bit of a troublemaker. School, I was, I was not the best, mate. I was, I don't know. I just, I, I'd always get in trouble. I don't think I was a troublemaker, but people, I just always got the blame for everything for some reason. All the way through as well, you know, all the way through. It was, it was always my name that got bought out. I don't know if I got a catchy name or something, but. Some reason, man, they, it's just my name that stuck, and everything that got done was always my fault. So, still to this day, all right. <laughs> it was never you. <laughs> Classic. But you started off at St Bede's College, didn't you? And then you went to Shirley. Was that was that from behaviour? <clears throat> uh, nah. So yeah. So I, I like, mate. To be honest, if we go right back, mate. Rugby was just it was just in me, man. Like I, even from the age of five, you know, I um. I love the game, eh? I had so many, so much support around me. My uncles and everything teaching me the game at a very young age, and went through all the like systems, all, uh, the Canterbury sort of reps and stuff. Made all the teams. It was always like the star of the team, 
and um, got to high school, got to St. Bede's High School, and I was always a star, 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, and then yeah, I got to St. Uh, first 15, and then it kind of started to wake up for me, like, whoa, man, this could this could really be like a, this could be a, a future for me, and um, yeah, school, St. Bede's College was where it kind of hit me, like, whoa, man, you know, you could play rugby here for a living, because it became professional, I remember watching Super Rugby, like, the first one, you know, 95 or whatever it was, like, whoa, man, you know, I could turn this into a profession, so I basically gave up on all my academics and just concentrated on footy, I only went to school to eat my lunch and just play rugby, uh, I went to St. Bede's and, you know, did my thing there, I actually had, had a good first 15 year there, first year, made Canterbury schools and um, I decided to leave, they actually kicked me out because of my academics and they said, hey, come back, um, come back when the new rugby season starts and I kind of took that like ah oh, all right let's see and I actually sort of talked to my mates and created like a little super team in Shirley Boys High <laughs> got like Ricky Tukaki, Chris McNichol, Cody Hippy we thought hey let's let's take out um Christchurch Boys High let's try to take those mofos out you know let's get them so we created like a super team man we had a good team brother and we're like let's build it and um Went to Shirley in my second year, first of Dean, um, and we ended up actually losing to them in the final by a kick, mate, Chris McNichol. He uh, missed the kick to win the game. It was a pretty easy one too, so still pretty dark on him for that, but no. <laughs> but, you know, high school rugby was amazing, man, and I'll never, I'll never, I'll never forget it, but it was, on, it was honestly awesome, but yeah, that was it, man. That's kind of where you started making your name, you know. That was it, man. Those were the days. And then straight out of um, high school, you were into the Canterbury Academy setup, and you also made New Zealand under nineteens. Want to talk about um, how you made those teams? Yeah, so straight out uh, high school, um, second year there, I think I made of both years. First of then I made Canterbury schools, and first year I didn't get a look for NZs, but then second year I got a look. But I actually, um, this is quite a funny story. I um, I was um. I was going to probably, I could have made NZ schools, I think, like, just with my talent, and I thought, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go, but then they called um, trainings on a Sunday, and, um, mate, by that time, I was my second year at school, uh, first of 10, and, and, mate, I was on the boozer all weekend, so Sunday trainings, they were just not going to, they weren't going to fly with me, so I stopped turning up to Canterbury schools, and they eventually dropped me, which gave me, you know, the boot from NZs and then um, that was kind of the way I looked at rugby back then. I was so stupid thinking back, but you know. What was your relationship with um, alcohol coming through and when did when did you sort of start drinking and um, obviously you talked about uh, weekends were for the purse, so what, when did mm. that start? Mate, it started early, eh? It started when I was probably about 14. Started pushing up. Um, and yeah, you know, I just, uh, mate, I never took my rugby seriously, man. And I always had, like, an extreme talent. I don't know if that's a word, but I had, you know, a talent. So um, everybody would always kind of, like, forgive me for everything I did. And you could kind of get away with anything. So I just keep riding that wave. And, um, you know, looking back, man, it's so stupid, you know, if I put everything into my footy, you know, anything could have happened. But I always keep turning around, you know, I'd, do bad stuff and then go real good and then do bad stuff and then go real good. But um, just, yeah, thinking of high school, mate, it was, a, it was a booze fest and playing the games, ripping up. 
and then just back to the boozer ripping up. But then somehow, I don't know what happened, they called me into the academy for Canterbury. And, you know, that's a big deal, you know. <laughs> like, but I didn't see it like that. I don't know, I don't know why I didn't see it like that. I just, um, I just looked at it like it was another day. And it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, yeah, wow, well, cool. Because you know, I think my whole life everyone was always telling me, you know, you're going to be special, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. And so when all these things happened, you know, it was just another day to me. But then, like, thinking back when I got called into the Academy, Academy after, like, school and stuff, I remember even Penns, Rob Penny, like, called him into office. Another one who told, told me I was going to be special. You know, his, his, I remember this meeting one-on-one. It was like, Robbie, you know, you're, you're special. You're a special talent. You know, you're, you're going to be amazing. You know, you're different than the rest. And it was just like, man, like, everyone just keep telling me that and, I never had real guidance because I didn't have parents. So I was always just like, kind of do what you want, you know, and they're always going to forgive me. And, um, yeah, when I got called in the academy, I, I actually ended up walking out on the academy. I just gave up because it was six o'clock gyms. And I was like, I can't fuck go to the gym at six o'clock. So I ended up just not going. And I was just like, you know, I didn't realize how lucky I was to be put in that situation yeah. because I was forever like this, player that or this person that was just kind of everyone told it was going to be great and i didn't really care and mate it was weird man it was so weird eh? thinking back to then like the lack of how much i didn't give a f you know i just didn't give a f man and i always just thought ah someone will pick me someone will take me eventually you know I'll, i'll rip someone up i'll rip one game up and then someone will me and you know that was my mentality man and looking back man it was just the stupidest thing that you could ever do man like you know like if you, if you young guys out there if you ever get that opportunity in life you gotta take it with two hands and give it everything you've got like that can change your life man like if you get into an academy system and they tell you to do this do that you know whereas i was like they were telling me to lift weights and i was like oh, i don't need weights mate I just give me the ball, you know, I'll run, I'll step, I'll just do, it doesn't matter, I don't need weights, what, what the hell are weights, you know, yeah. you know, it's crazy, mate, thinking back, so when I got in that first academy, I actually walked out on it, chilled out with my mates, the, the alcohol wasn't like a problem, everyone thinks like a, I was an alcoholic and shit like that, but <clears throat> I love my booze, I love bendering, I love girls, you know, who doesn't, and, um, but the biggest problem was probably my motivation and my discipline a poor discipline you know i was never disciplined as a young fella i never had like a strict thing to stick to i could go to sleep when i wanted i could wake up when i wanted i could go out when i wanted to when i got into these kind of um professional setups i was like i was just running the muck mate and you know that's how it was that's how it was man and you look back and you think fucking stupid but hey once you walked down on canterbury is that when you made that move up to Tasman? I think before I came up to Tasman, I actually made the New Zealand 19s. Somehow, after all that bad behavior, walking out in the academy, or maybe, I don't know. But somehow I made the New Zealand 19s team, somewhere in the mix. Who knows why they picked me for the 19s? I have no idea. You know, if we were going on character and all that stuff, you know, there's no way I should have been there. But, you know, I'm pr- I was actually pretty good at the gift of the gab. I went good too, but I could also talk my way out of a storm, you know. I could always spin it around for some reason, you know. I've been surviving, mate. You know, I'm a survivor. I, I basically became homeless, you know, at the age of 17, 18, you know. When my nana died, you know, I lived with my auntie and then I 
decided to just, you know, go out on my own. So from, I think, the age of 17, 18, I was on my own. So, you know, I always had to try and survive somehow, some way. So I think with rugby, it was the same. You know, I could always turn a coach's head and make him believe that I was going to change, you know. When I, I actually thought I was going to change, I was willing to give it everything, but then something would happen, you know, I'd get on a bender or some girls or some, some party or something, and then I'd make a mistake, and um, yeah, that was just life, you know, that's basically been my life, so. You moved up to Tasman, took the Tasman scene <laughs> by storm, carving it up with your outside line, scoring tries for Will, uh, you made the Marco, and then you wouldn't train on a Monday because you usually had the shits. <laughs> You know that, you know that, Jam. You know that story, eh, Jimmy? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, I came up to Tasman, man. Honestly, I came up to Tasman because somebody they offered me my my agent at the time. He offered me six thousand dollars, and I was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, six thousand dollars. That's gonna be fun. What can we spend that on?" So I actually signed the contract, and I was like, "Woo, let's go to Tasman." And actually, a couple of mates are going out there, Ricky Tukak and uh, Chris McNichol. Yeah. So I was like, let's go to Tasman, man. And, um, you know, I'd already dropped out of the academy and shit. I, you know, I didn't give, I didn't actually care what I was doing. I was living in the moment, mate. I went up there. I got my first paycheck. I think I got taxed down for like 4K or something. And I ended up blowing that in 27 days. And I bought a pair of slippers and a poster at the end of it. <laughs> the rest went on the boozer against the wall. And then I was broke. But I still... I had a chance to make the Tasman Marcos. So I was like, woo, let's go. Oh, and they put me in the academy as well, which I eventually walked out on as well. I think I gave up on that because it's going to be fucked anymore. Oh, they had six o'clock gym again. It pisses me off that six o'clock gym. <laughs> so after you blew that 6,000, did you make the um, Tasman squad? Yeah, but it took me a while. I, um, I ended up making the New Zealand under 21 team after all those shenanigans. Sure. And. Um, Somehow, some way, they picked me for the NZ21s again. Wasn't supposed to make it. Went up to a trial, underweight, 82 kgs. Mate, I went up there just like, ah, I got nothing to lose. But this is what I will tell the youngsters out there. I channeled something with no training, no weights. I used to hide behind the pillars in the gym there at Tasman and not lift weights. But I, um, I channeled something mentally. I used all that fire, all that fuel, I should say, to um, fuel my fire, you know, from all the the past stuff, you know. Also, my brother he broke his neck when I was um, in high school, sure. and he was the man. You know, he was my leader in life, and he broke his neck and kind of disappeared for a while there. So I was left alone, and um, I used all that ammo to just, you know, mentally prepare myself for certain games. So when I um, got to that game for that New Zealand under 21s trial, I had all that loaded, ready to go, and. I didn't give a I didn't give a F what was in front of me. I was gonna just get to that try line, you know, whatever it took. So I got three tries in forty minutes. I only got forty minutes and I'm playing Canada B and I just made every touch I just ripped. I was like, You ain't stopping me, you Canadian mofos. You can't deal with me, you know. That was my mindset. That was my mindset. And I still use that to this day, man. I still tap into my mental, you know, my mental is everything to me. That's probably why I'm still getting paid to play rugby at thirty five years old, even after all these mistakes and don't you know, don't get me wrong, I've still made mistakes till these days, but I still just tap into that stuff, man, and it's the power of that mental toughness, which I learned in New Zealand, but I, you know, helped, I progressed through it, man, and honestly, mate, thinking back to that trial, man, I just, that was it, man, I had my nana, I had my mom, I had my brother, I had everything behind me, and 
Mate, you just got me through that trial. Scored three tries. Yeah, and uh, I actually, I remember sitting down with Cooper, the coach, before that trial, and he's like, oh, I don't know if we can pick your 82 kgs, you know, Robbie. You know, I just made New Zealand 19s too, so I was like, you know, well, why not? And um, but he's just bagging me, mate, basically in a one on one. And I was like, oh, okay, then, okay. And that fueled more of my fire, you know. And I was like, oh, I'm going to show you, buddy. And anyway, went out, ripped it up, got the second trial, ripped it up again. You know, I actually talked you through that one. Same sort of stuff, mate. One chance, you know, that one opportunity, man. Just no training still, man. Like, trust me, I wasn't lifting weights. I was a, I was a dripping wet 80 kgs at the max, you know. So, I remember first touch straight through line break between Richard Kahui, I think Aaron Bancroft midfield, boom, straight through there, boys. You know, like that was my mentality, man. I was like, I don't know, man. I just, it was all my past. It was carrying me through, you know. So, I yeah, ended up making that team. NZ 21s flew over to France and lost in a World Cup to South Africa and kind of did did good too in that um in that World Cup. But mate, a lot of a lot of shenanigans as well over there when I was in France. I actually got in so much trouble over there that actually ruined ruined my... It actually caused me to never wear the black jersey again. True. What did you so, do? Just pissed up probably more than I trained when I was in France. Yeah. Um, just they gave us too much freedom and, mate, it was crazy. Eh? Like There was girls like waiting outside the hotel like all day, every day. Oh. So I was like, we're stuck in our rooms and there's chicks outside. And it's like, mate, I'm going out. You know, I'm going to have a look. Come on. So, were you going by yourself or were you, were you dragging someone uh, else with you? Mate, I had teammates. But again, <laughs> if we go back to right at the start, you know, it was always my name that got dragged through the mud. And I'm not, one, I'm not a man to bring anyone down. So I took it all on the chin. I remember one time we, we um, played our first game. We won against Italy. I played, got a couple of dots too, you know. Good game. Fucking hell. Stoked as, and then um, Whopper, he called a drinking ban on management. I don't know, called a drinking ban on the rest of the the, the tour. And I went out, and I got um, food. we went to a club. Who goes clubbing when you call a drinking ban? I mean, how the hell can you do that? It's just ridiculous. So anyway, I was out, got seen some girls. Well, it's always the girls, man. It always, you know, it makes me just want to drink. So I remember just getting on it, and um. Whopper actually came up to me in the bar. He's like, let me sniff your glass. And I was like, what the fuck? Here you go. I was like, it's Coke, it's Coke. And he's like, nah, it's not. Anyway, got bought up the next day. He pushed all management out. And he's made me stand up in front of the room. Funny, you got to apologise to the boys for drinking. And, mate, I broke down in tears, eh, in front, of the, in front of that New Zealand team, man. It was just so heartbreaking to let the boys down. And Yeah, you'd think that would have stopped me. Um... But it didn't. I probably drank about seven to eight more times on that trip. I, I got put in the dirt. I got pushed into the dirty dirties by the end of it. So at the start, I was like competing for a starting spot, and I was playing good footy. But by the end, I was in the dirty dirties. And then once I got in the dirty dirties, mate, I was just on it like all the time. I was living it up. You know, I'm a living the moment sort of guy. So I'm like, mate, I might not ever be back in France. So I'm gonna fucking live this shit up. And anyway, but what was special about that trip was. You know, make a normal person bloody screw their head on was, um, you know, what the the feedback from the, the management was like Cooper, the coach, he, never forget this man, he told me, called me into his office one-on-ones, you know, and he was like, you're the most individual brilliant player in this team, you know, and I was like, fuck, you know, like, 
That's in the New Zealand under-21 team, mate. This team was stacked, eh? Like, super, I was the only non-Super Rugby player in the back line. And I was the most individual brilliance in the coach's eyes. And then Horry, the trainer, was like, he called me in too. They were all trying to change my ways, you know, because they could see me going on that downhill slope. He's like, Finney, mate, I mean, you look at my side till the other, you know? Look at him, man. You think he's better than him? Like, yeah, he probably is. He's fucking massive and black and fast and strong. And I'm just like this little kid. And he's like, mate, you're so much more talented than him. Like, you can achieve so much more than him in your rugby career. And, you know, two days later, we're in the gym, and he's like, give me three pushes and three pulls. And I'm like, nah, I'm all good. I'm not, I'm not doing shit. <laughs> Man, I'm on NZ21's tour, just refusing to do weights. Like, I'm going to do, do this my way, with my talent, my skills. Yeah, I don't know why the hell I was like that, man, but I just was, eh? I just, I just was. But you're always so confident by the sounds of it. You always had that confidence in your ability. You knew you were like one of the best players. You could rip anyone up. And So how did you get that confidence and where did that come from? Because if you added that with your, if you started training, shit, you could have been, you could have literally been anything. Well, actually, your mate, old Goody, he told me that. He was like, mate, with your fucking skill and everything, mate, you just need to train that. I'll never forget that, actually. But I don't know, man. I just, I don't know, mate. From a young age, I suppose people always telling you you're going to be great, you're going to be an all black, you're going to be that, you're going to be this. It sort of maybe messed with my head a little bit. You know, and I didn't need to work more. And I think that was the biggest mistake. Like, once I made NZ21s and 19s, I already thought that I made it, yeah. probably when I actually hadn't, there's so much more work to do, you know, like, so that's only in the beginning, like, thinking back, whereas in my head, I was like, oh, yes, I've done it, I'm rich, I can get out of this poverty life, you know, I can support myself, but the truth is, that's only the beginning, yeah. you know, that's when you've really got to work on your craft and, and get better and better and better every day, and you have that opportunity because you're now a professional, so you have every day to work on it and work on it and work on it, whereas when you're not a professional, you don't. And that's the mistake I made. You know, I just said, oh, I'm good enough now. And, you know, and I just, that was it, man. That was, that was a mistake, man. That was the biggest mistake, thinking I already made it before I had. Obviously, know. took you so long to realize because <laughs> the same things kept happening, hey? Like you would, you'd work hard, you might see the light for a bit, start training hard, and then yeah. um, you'd get straight back to it. You'd, you'd, you'd get a wee sniff into a side, and then you'd, you'd fall into the same traps. So. Always, mate. That was it, eh? Like the the amount of bounce backs I've had is so many, so much in um in my rugby career. You know, it's been up and down, up and down, up and down. It's just always been the same thing, mate. You know, training hard, ripping up, mistake, 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 down. You know, and it goes back to the same thing. Like once you make it, you just gotta keep going and. That was, that was probably my, um, I celebrated too early, I think, and I love celebrating, you know, so any time I'd achieve something, I'd celebrate, you know, like, fuck, yeah, I made it, man, I made it, you know, but the truth is, it was just the beginning, yeah. you know, and it's actually, once you get there, it's so hard to hold, you know, because you've got these other young bucks coming through, coming through, coming through, but yeah, man, it's a tough thinking back, eh, it's tough, it's very tough thinking back how stupid I was, man. And you, because you signed with Tasman for four years, but you definitely weren't at Tasman for four years. So what happened no. there? I think it was one year, and then they gave me three year. Oh, so yeah. when when I made New Zealand twenty ones, I think that you know they sort of wanted to wrap me up in wool, you know, and kind of blood me in and make sure I was gonna you know perform for them and not get injured because it's pretty small. 
for everyone to look after me. And um, yeah, they tried. They mate, they did their best. To be honest, they did their best. They honestly, they got everything around me. They tried to even um, give me home support. Who's that? That famous softball player in Tasman? Eddie um, Grant. Yeah, I think so. He offered to take me in to his home. True. Let me live with him and stuff like that. Mate, you had like Mike Crawford like doing bending over backwards, man. Like the things they did, man, was crazy. I had to try and nurture my talent and try and, you know, get me not just that, but just look after me. You know, like living overseas, man, New Zealand rugby is special, man, how they look after their players, man. It's so cool and yeah, man, they tried everything but you know, just wasn't to be. <laughs> just wasn't to be, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> so then what happened post Tasman? So Tasman, after Tasman I actually decided to go off contract and to prove them wrong. I said, no nah, guys, come on, give me another chance. You don't have to give me a contract, but I'm going to prove to you that I can do this. You know, I'll change my ways, I'll stop drinking, I'll, you know, go hard on the training. And they said, whatever, you know, we'll see. So I was like, okay. So I did, man. I lived at my girlfriend's house, Amber Dallas, you know her. And um, <laughs> we, um, I trained, man. I trained my ass off. Roland Dallas looked after me. You know, looked after me like my dad. And I would wake up every morning. Mike Fraser from who I paid for my gym membership. And I would wake up every morning, bike to the gym every morning, maybe every second, but I was strict. You know, I was like, I'm doing this, man. And I would train next to the Tasman Marcos. So I'd be on the other side of the gym, you know, it's split. Into yeah, two. yeah. And I would train on the other side. And I'd be like, no. Nah. And I, man, I just did that for like six months, I think. And then the trial came. Finally, I played a season with Huia, I think it was. Mike Fraser was dishing me coin, keeping me alive, survival mode. And, um, yeah, um, the trial came. Had a blinder. Do you remember that game? Do you see that? Your, your brother actually probably out, your brother actually probably outplayed me, which was fucking disappointing. <laughs> um, he did, actually. Maybe. It was close. Well, me and him were probably the standouts. And... Um, Anyway, I um, finished the trial, happy. I was like, yeah, I'm going to make this because I behaved all year. Yeah. You know, you know it's going to be good. And Nick Flack came up to me. I was out on the boozer that night. And he comes up. He's like, oh, I've seen the team squad. You've made it. You've made it. I was like, yes. Ah, made it. Back in there. Back in there. Let's celebrate. <laughs> My brother just got off a boat with two of his mates, crook dogs, right? And he's like, let's get on a bender. We got on a bender that night. I swear to God, I met some girls, they were like, come home with us, jumped in their car, and these boys, they see me leaving, ditching, right, smoke bombing. They jump all over her car, on top of it, round it, on the windscreen, everything. Fucked her car up bad, right? She rings the Tasman Rugby Union the next day, says, Robbie Flynn jumped all over my car, put $2,000 worth of damage into my car, I want my money back. Bevan or someone heard the phone call, whoever received it, gone cut see you later it was oh. my chance again so i worked that whole year for that i did nothing as well i just jumped in the back of a car with a girl and these boys see me leaving thought i was ditching and jumped all over it because robbie mountain sent me in a, i was playing poker at the pub and i was still waiting for this call because old nick flack told me i was like where's my call i knew i'd made it i'd played good you know i'd been good i was i was training you know and it never happened man and then i finally got the news what were you doing we got a phone call, blah, blah, blah. So that was it. That was the end of Tasman, mate. That was the end of Tasman. The bender. See you later. Oh, the costly benders. So many benders yeah. at 
bad times. But I didn't even do any, I didn't even do anything wrong, mate. I, just, I pulled a bird. Give me a break. <laughs> you know, give me a break. How's that? So then, what happened post Tasman? Um, post Tasman, right? So Tasman blew out. Yeah, Tasman blew out bad. I actually walked out on that too as well. I um, I um, it was six o'clock gym still. So it was pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> Six o'clock, Jim's ended got, your career. Yeah. No, mate, it, it comes back again. Trust me, it comes back again with a contract offer. Um, but anyway, I went back to Christchurch. I had a bung ankle. Uh, I was playing Stoke and Shawnee Big or someone like that. I was just trying to win the game, and um, I fucking I went too hard out, and I ended up doing my ankle. And that's why I actually walked down the contract because I was like, I don't know, I don't know what to do, but I was trying to fake it like I was in Tasman, but I was actually in Canterbury. I just wanted to go home, and um, I was actually trying to fake like I was still in Tasman, so they still paid me. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible behaviour. <laughs> anyway, they figured it out that I wasn't there, and um, I went back home. And mate, to be honest, it was I was sleeping on a mate's couch. Um, you know, went and just. Pissing up, having fun, banging girls, and just living life. I gave up on rugby for about a year there. You know, just gave up, had enough. I was over it. I was just done. I was just, yeah, I just wanted to play with mate. I was still playing. I love the games. I was playing socially. I was thinking I was playing like Div 2 or something. And then I, um, oh, then Mid Canterbury offered me a contract. Oh, this is another, this is another mess. Mid Canterbury offered me a contract and I said, yes, all right, how much are you going to give me? They said they give me a couple hundred bucks. So I don't think it was a week even. I think it was like a month. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, I need anything. I'm in survival mode. Um, I was also getting some off Shirley. Oh, yeah, Shirley. I went to them. They hooked me up, something. Mate, I'm a survivor of the rugby, eh? Like pure rugby. I've done it my whole life. People will pay me money for my talent, so I'll exploit that. <laughs> um, so, surely you'll hook me up. So, maybe then mid camera, like, come play Heartland Cup. I was like, sweet ass, and get this. Played like one game, maybe two. I don't know. Went shit, out of shape, terrible. Wasn't in shape. That's one thing you have to be in is shape. I started to learn that. I was like, whoa, you actually have to be in shape to play good. I just was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. I've never thought about it. And, um, yeah, just and then this is what happened. My brother, he came home. He was this fisherman. He hired a hotel in Christchurch and some flash hotel room. He was trying to impress some girl. Same mates around, same crew. We got on a bender. Um, I didn't show up for the game the next day. It was sure. like Matt Canary versus somebody. I just did a no-show. I teach Josh Lindsay, my mate. Hey, mate, he was a, you only get three imports. He was the fourth on reserve. Teach him, mate, you've got to go to that game. You have to go to that game for me. He couldn't play anyway because he didn't register him, but that was it. Two games, and then um, I never played again. I went to all the trainings, but I never got a, I never got to play again. <laughs> did you ever feel bad doing stuff like that, or did you just not really care? 100%, mate. It used to, it used to deliver me, mate, honestly. Like, I think just when I was in those moments of drinking and having fun, you know, even before I would get drunk, I'd be like, I can't do this, I can't, nah, I can't do this, but people around me would just, you know, talk me into it, and that's like what, you know, a big lesson now is in life is, you know, your support crew around you is so important, man, it's so important, like, you've got to be around people that want you to succeed, like, if you look at, I look back at you when you're in Tasman, you heard um, Goody, man, he took you under your wing, and 
Oh, I look back and I'm like jealous almost. I'm like, man, I wish I listened to like Goody wanted to take me under his wing too, you know. And I was like, no, 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 but I wish I did, you know. You must have had one of the bendiest arms to be um, asked to come out on the piss. Oh, <laughs> so rubber, so rubber, so. mate. The rubberest, mate. The rubberest <laughs> of them all, and could go for the longest. I wouldn't stop. I'd just keep going. Once it started, I was like, let's go, let's go till the end. And I was full of fun too, you know. I'm always full of fun, so. <laughs> yeah, people enjoyed it. People enjoyed my company, I suppose, you know. So Gee, so after yeah, about ten blowouts already, you <clears> somehow <throat> made your way into the Canterbury Item Cup squad. Like yeah. One of the what? powerhouse How the fuck? teams of New Zealand rugby and here's Robbie Flynn who's blowing about thirty chances. He's in there. How did that happen? Well Jimmy Jimmy, you've actually got a big part to play in this and this is gonna be crazy for you. But remember that sevens tournament that we played? Wood end. And you yeah, you ripped up to shreds, eh? It was like, and I was in awe of how you played that, man. I was just like, far out. This guy's on the next level. Like, just everything you did, even off the field, you're so professional, doing your stretches. And I was like, man, this is crazy, man. Like, And your performance on the field was like, holy, I'm supposed to carry that team. You know, Jimmy, I was supposed to carry that team that day. And I was on your back. And I was like, thank you, God, because I was so unfit. It was, I'd just been on probably a four-month bender. And I was like, oh, thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, mate. You know, because I always felt like people were watching me. Like, Robert Flynn's got to do something special. You know, he's got to win. You know, he's the guy, you know. But that day, man, I'm grateful for you. But not only for that, for what you made. This is going to sound crazy to you, but you, you inspired my life a little bit there, right? Because I thought, man, if you've, if you've done that in that short amount of time, like you excelled so fast in a couple of years. Like I was like, whoa, man. Just through training hard, listening to the support around you and just being professional and disciplined. Man, I sort of just said, I have to do that too. You know, so from I sort of brushed off the, the pride of me not getting us through that tournament, me not being the man. You know, it's hard for me, bro. It's hard, you know. And um, and I just sort of started training again. You know, and I um, I moved in with my ex 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 girlfriend's mum, and um, trained the house down, bro. She would feed me. The ex 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 girlfriend moved to Australia, so she said she'll um she'll you know let me board there for a bit and. I just trained, man. I'd run. I had to get a job. I played um, for Shirley Club, and I was working in like a, a woodwork place, whatever you call them. Yeah. And um, I was running to work. I was running home, stopping off at the gym, pumping iron, running back, eating healthy, going to the gym. And I repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated for like a few, four months maybe. And I was playing footy at the same time, and my form at club level just went like... <laughs> like crazy bro like no, started don't. shredding everyone like it was like i was just like whoa i couldn't even believe myself sometimes you know i was just and playing for a shit team and ripping up the top dogs and nearly putting them like competing with them you know yeah and yeah then i remember i was working as well and i got the phone call from rob penny i kind of knew it was coming eh? i kind of knew it was coming because i was playing so well so i know these mother these guys are going to give me another chance and bling, bling, boom. Hey, it's Rob Benning. I was like, what's up? It was like the best moment of my life, bro. It was like, and it was like the best moment of my life. And he's just like, his first thing was like, we're going to give you another chance. <laughs> I was like, but can you do it? And I was like, yes, yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course. And then, yeah, mate, got 
sort of just walked out on site. Just like, fuck you. <laughs> See you later. I'm gone. I'm playing against Hawks Bay this weekend. I made it again. You know, I've made it. Tough to celebrate. Another thing. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't this time. It was too big of a deal, mate. It was yeah. too big. Of a, it was playing for Canterbury, bro. That's like my dream of all time. So. Yeah. Yeah, after that phone call, yeah, I went into camp. Camp, what do we call it? Man, it was just so cool being involved in that environment, bro. It was like, it was my dream, bro. Because like, I was in the academy and I always said, once I get behind those gates, you know, like Rugby, uh, rugby Park, you know, it's like, shut it off. I was like, I used to drive past here and think, you know, once I get back in those gates, man, I'm not going to mess this up, you know. So once I got back in there, I was, I was, I was straight on point. You know, yes, sir, yes, sir, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to, you know, mate, it was a stress, you know, because I didn't want to be late for anything. I was just trying to be perfect, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I did it, man. I had a really good, um, I didn't play too many games. I was obviously behind, like, Sunny Bill and all that shit, but, <laughs> mate, it was good, you know. So what I happened? Trained well, I trained really well. <laughs> I used to, I used to put fear in them at training. You know, even Sonny once said, "Don't run around me." You know, I was like, Ooh. but uh, it was like that, bro. But yeah, I got back in there. I got back in there. I was pretty proud of it. Actually, mate, part of me getting back in there was I was with the bees, with the Canterbury bees, and we had a little game of touch against the NPC team. And um, I smoked Stevie Brett on the outside two times in a row in front oh. of Tabby Matson and scored tries in a game of touch. Stevie, if you listen, as you remember that, thank you, bro. I think you let me run through. He's a good mate. I think you let me go, eh? I think he, you know he wanted to hook me up. And um, then this is we, we had like backline launches against each other, and I I had Kieran von at twelve in the B team, yeah, and Lindsay at ten, you know, Kieran Lindsay and. I was older than them, right? So I took the charge. I took the lead. I started calling the calls, you know? I was like, oh, ID, ID, you know? Oh, yeah, fucking whatever, whatever. You know, I can't even remember the moves back in New Zealand now, but yeah. I started calling the shots, and Tabs was right there, and I was just trying to impress him. So all those years of um, being the not ass licker, I decided at this moment, I'm going to lick some ass, you know? <laughs> Tabs, look at me. Look at me calling these moves. Look at me. And, mate, he fell for it, eh? And he picked me. He took me in. He called me in. He told Pens to ring me. And boom, it worked, mate. So, you know. But I was working hard, mate. So I did deserve it. You know, yeah. I did deserve it. I was working bloody hard, mate. Like, I was going full turn. So, so what stopped you yeah. from still being at Canterbury Carving Up? Where does it all fall down? <clears throat> for, well, actually, after the first year, and I had, like, I was benching, playing games for the Bees. But, mate, I had some good performance with the Bees, though, like, Ripping up. So Otago, um, they actually offered me a contract, like a full contract. Flew me down, gave me the whole thing, you know. I'd never really experienced that too, you know. I was like, whoa, I'm back, you know. Flew me down, showed me around the stadium and stuff like that. To me, that was like, wow, you know. And they're showing real interest. Offered me a full contract, NPC, whatever. And like Highlanders wider. And then I had to have a meeting with Canterbury. Um, with Taz Ampians in the coffee shop down the road from Ruby Park and they were like nah uh, Fruin's going to make the All Blacks so you know you're going to be starting 13 for Canterbury next season I was like oh, well you know can't turn that down that's, that's, that's my dream mate I started one game the first game I ran for the Shield match against North Canterbury Fruin didn't make the All Blacks I sat on the bench or in the stands for the rest of the season turned that down and then even when Everybody was injured. Tabs, he wouldn't pick me at 12 
because of the 13. He picked Takaray Norton, a number nine. Do you know Takaray Norton? Yeah, yeah. I play Takaray. If you're listening to this, I will. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, he picked him at 12, and it was like a massive insult to me. I took it badly, and I kind of walked out. <laughs> Again, I walked out. True. I did. I said, now fuck this. I'm done. You can't just pick. Takaray Norton, who's number nine against me, a specialist <laughs> midfield, who trained my ass off to be here and not give me this opportunity. Fuck you, I'm done. Yeah. And I started making up lies and excuses for not being at training. Yeah. True. Oh, shit. So then what happened? After Canterbury, it was a weird exit because Penns was like, he kind of fired me. Rob Penny fired me while we were on the piss. So I didn't really know if it was real. So they still invited me to the... Um, they still invited me to the <laughs> to the like prize giving, and I turned up the prize giving. I was sheepish as they come. Like I sat at the table with pens after everything was done. I didn't say a word. I was like, you know, like you know how scared you are of coaches and stuff. Man, I was petrified. Like I didn't know what to say, and I was waiting for him to say anything. He didn't say anything. You know, and yeah. I was like, oh, okay, it's done. It's time to go. So I um, called on a mate. Hold um. I went down to Southam and stayed with the Doc Finlayson's. You know those yeah, guys? Yeah, yeah. The legends. They took me in. They said, have a crack at the Stags and um, stay at our place. So I went down there. It was a lot. It's like I've been pushed all the way down, down the island, you know. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I'm nearly gone. And, um, yeah, I went down there, mate. And it was actually really enjoyable. Eh? I actually really liked it. And I knew I had to change for the coaches. I knew I had to show them that I... But was like not onto the booze anymore. Not that the booze was the problem in Canterbury in the last two years. It was I don't know what the I don't know. But anyway, it was just um, it was weird. Anyway, so I went back down there, and I was like, "Fuck it, I have a crack at the stags and play club footy and get a job." I had to get a job cutting trees in the hill, mate. Have you ever done that? No, never. That would have been tough. Don't kills your legs i had to like go to training after and it was just ridiculous but anyway i um hated it i actually quit that job and then i got another job made the club get me another job that was hooking me up and um clubs always hook you up you know when you're kind of like me like rogue running around they always hook you up <laughs> don't worry and um then i uh tried yeah so i was gonna have a crack stage mate it was going really well i was training hard doing the same things i didn't canterbury eating clean not drinking just a couple of times yeah, then I got a phone call from Tabs, Tab I Matson from Canterbury. Yeah. Just before Stags was gonna get selected. And I probably would have been starting for Stags to be honest. I'd convinced them that, you know, I was turned the corner and I was in good shape. And I think they were gonna take me because when you, I think when I went down there I was kinda like the level's a little bit easier. I'm not saying I don't know if that's gonna sound bad, but you know, Stags compared to Canterbury, you know, it was just a little bit easier, you know. I felt like I was a, a little bit higher level than them as talent-wise and stuff, so, you know, I was loving it. I was really expressing myself down there in trainings and dominating. And then, yeah, I was like, I'm going to play for the Stags 13 and I'm going to get my way back into a Super Rugby contract. Not that I ever had one, but that was, you know, I was going to fucking, I'm going to get the Highlanders, you know, still keeping that dream alive. But I was only like 25, you know, and I was still like, I didn't even reach my prime yet. So I had all this talent to give and it was still ready to give. So, of course, if I keep my behavior right and talked well, you know, they were going to give me another chance, you know, you can't, you can't say no to this talent, brother. So, <laughs> so, and then Tabs rings me and out of nowhere, bro, I had his name saying for this Tabs too, don't know why, but I'll never forget it. Hey, man, what's up? 
What are you doing, Flynn? I'm in, I'm in Southland. Um, what are you doing with the rugby? You still playing rugby? Yeah, mate, I'm in the best shape of my life. All right, mate, do you want to go to Italy? I was like, uh, yeah, mate, honestly, I swear to God, I, I said, yeah, mate, let me think about it for a night. You know, being professional as, but I lay back in that bed. I was in bed and I thought, imagine the pussy. <laughs> That was honestly the first thing that went through my head. I swear to God. I just thought that, honestly. I thought, imagine the pussy. So um, that's going to sound terrible, but that's the truth. <laughs> and, yeah, I rang him back the next day. and said, yeah, let's go. Had a Skype call with the coach a month later. But, oh, the Finlayson's there, Doc, down south, mate, and all the sons, mate, they helped me out. They got me there. I was, like, in debt and stuff. I I'd also, like, committed like crimes and shit mate not anything serious but you know stupid shit like pissing in public drink driving i had all these fines and they helped me sort it out with a lawyer mate they 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 helped me out like you wouldn't believe man so many people helped me out in my rugby career man it's unbelievable i'm missing so many people here and um yeah i just decided to go and then i was off mate i was on the plane i actually left illegally yeah. So I wasn't actually allowed to leave. I still had PD hours to go. Oh, true. <laughs> so, yeah. So you're stuck so there. So I went over there. I, no, I got arrested when I got back. But oh, true. That's another story. And um, <laughs> yeah, so I went over there, mate. Went over to Italy. Mate, it was amazing, mate. It was so cool. I was just like, being, oh, yeah. It was like, it was the best, mate. And things went well. Things went really, really well. Like, not for the first bit because you had to adapt to the level of play and style, but mate, just just found my feet, started carving up, kind of made a name for myself. Like in that first year, yeah. you know, like everyone was kind of yeah, just score hits, tries, bro. You know, in a few magazines and in the papers Oof. and shit. And, what was the level like? Know, people, uh, I'd say it was like between like it's different because there's like four good teams and the rest of them are average. So I'd say like. Between the ITM and Club Rugby Canterbury, oh, you know, yeah, like yeah, sort yeah. of in that level, at yeah. that level, at Echelenta. I don't play that level, I play level down now, you know. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, man, it was nice, bro. Went to a little town called Sandana, just playing rugby, um, eating nice food, drinking cheap booze, mate. Nothing changed, though, eh? I got, I probably got worse. I was bendering, like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> but you just got but away with it was a little there. bit easier. Yeah. Yeah, the rugby was a little bit easier, and yeah, I found my ways to kind of make it's soccer mentality here. Yeah. So if you score tries, you're the man. Yeah. You know? So I figured that out. I was like, oh, so all I got to do is really just kind of figure out how to beat my man and get a couple of dots, and then I'm good. You know. Yeah. So figured that out. Did that. Did that for the second year. I got fired for uh, I did my ankle. I actually nearly made the uh, Treviso team. Eh? They called me in. And they were ready to offer a contract, but I had an injury on the ankle and it never healed, probably because I boozed up and travelled instead of healing it. One hundred percent. I was walking around like Europe with this big fat ankle; <laughs> it wasn't even broken. And uh, instead of trying to recover it, I was like, "Nah, fuck it, let's go on a ticket tour." And um, they stopped ringing, so I lost that contract. And so when I got fired from my first job there, I lost the Benetton one, the Sandanar one. And I was back in New Zealand, and I was like, "All right." I think I'm done now. I think this is it. Yeah, this could be it. And then I get a, another phone call from a mate who played with me in Santana, uh, Ricky Rabuski. It's pretty much saved my ass, man, because no one else was going to touch me. No one. Like, I was done, you know. 
but he played with me, so I suppose he thought sort of seen my talent and was like, "Hey, we could get this guy, you know, we could get this guy." And um, yeah, they got me, man. And when I got there, I just played as a player, and then they kind of <clears throat> offered me like a coaching sort of player role, and it was kind of when I started to change, man. You know, I started to really look at rugby and go like, "Hey, you can make a difference here," you know, like with all that you've learned from New Zealand and all through your life and you know, I was starting to mature as well, you know, I was aged, I was like twenty eight or something. So Yeah. Yeah, I started turning the corner, man. I started going, right, this is really the time where you this is your last chance. There's nothing else. Otherwise you're going back to New Zealand and you're working as a labourer. You've got no skills. You've got nothing else you got nothing. So this is your last chance and I took it seriously, bro, and started coaching and took like I just took everything I learned from Canterbury because I had like Aaron Major and Tabo Matson and Pens as my coaches, you know, and I just kind of like went through my brain, jot it all down and just just kind of copy it, you know, yeah. and then teach all the boys that and they loved it, mate. It took off and it actually made them perform better and I got satisfaction from that and made me go like, whoa, you can actually change people's lives here, right? Not yeah. just on the field but off the field. And it, yeah, that was when it kind of started turning, man. And then so all that bullshit behind me was like, <laughs> what an idiot. But now then I kind of was like, hey, it all happened for a reason. But yeah. Do you look back on your career thinking uh, that sort of Italian lifestyle suited you? Like being able to just chill, get on the piss, have fun? Or do you sort of look back and think, man, I missed an opportunity to be one of the greatest players ever? Mm. We're in that 100% second one. I messed up, Jimmy. Like, I could have been, if you think about it, if I worked on my craft every single day, you know, every single day. I never worked on my craft. I never did, you know. I'd do the training the minimum. But if I worked on it every single day, you know, could have been, you know, I could have, who knows, you know. It's in my DNA, man, you know. It's in my blood, you know. I was supposed to be something special with rugby. and I regret it. It's a big regret. And... I just don't know, man. Uh, but also, I also don't have any regrets. I think it's going to work out in the better in the long run because if when you make those mistakes, you actually learn more. So now as I'm matured and I'm 35, it's like, hey, You've learned I can a use lot. all that. <laughs> yeah, you know, There's a I lot can, of mistakes. <laughs> I can use all that. Like When I'm talking to kids, man, like, I get too deep. You know, like When I'm talking to rugby players and trying to coach, I'm, get, I'm, I'm too invested now. I'm like... Oh, I just want to help them on it, you know. Yeah. I'm just so passionate about it because I think when you make that many mistakes, and it's hard to explain. I don't know how to explain it. I'm not there yet, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Jimmy. What do you think? I think you're going to be one of the greatest coaches ever. <laughs> <laughs> so much to teach. Maybe. Maybe, oh, man. I'm thinking that too, man. Like, honestly, man, I love this. I need like the game gave me so much, man. It saved my life. Honestly, it saved my life, man. It's such a beautiful game. It's so beautiful, like if you look at it, at what it does to people, and how it, it just creates culture. And mate, if I listened to everybody that coached me and tried to change me or help me grow, man, you know, I would be a special human. You know, if everybody listens to that, we've got a lot of special humans in the world. So. Mate, rugby's a beautiful game and it creates beautiful people like yourself. So. Oh, 100%, mate. You're a legend. Yeah. So now that your journey's, you, your path of your journey's sort of changed now, you're looking back, reflecting, any advice for 
young players coming through, talented players, especially their talented ones who um, are coming through. Any advice for them on what not to do or what they should do? Oh, mate, I mean, what would you say to the young fellas coming through? Um, probably if you ever get an opportunity to feel lucky to, to, to get that opportunity, don't take it for granted. You know, like that's probably the biggest thing I learned in my life and give it everything you've got. Yeah. If you're really passionate about rugby, if you're not, then okay, that's not your thing. But if you are, wake up and think about it and do it all day. Go to sleep thinking about it. Embrace it. Enjoy it as well. Yeah. You know, Don't see it as a burden like I kind of did in my life. But really enjoy it because it is so fun. There's nothing funner than actually playing rugby, being around your mates. And that can be a, a, a bloody career now. You know, how yeah. cool is that? You can run around the, the field with the ball and all the other perks that go with it and just, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And train hard. That's got to be one because if you do train hard and you eat healthy, it makes a massive difference, which is something that took me a long time to realize. Have you? Know, you, are you like, how's your training now? Do you train hard now? or? <clears throat> yeah, I do. In and out, you know. I'm not always on the go. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, I'm like a, I like to think I'm like a UFC fighter. You know, <laughs> like if, if there's game of season coming up, I'm, I'm getting, I'm cutting down weight and I'm getting ready for it, you know. In the off season, I might blow out. Not too much, mate. I'm actually a qualified nutritionist now. Are you? Oh, and, true. Uh, PT, yeah. So I've actually studied all that stuff and I actually, you know, I, I, mate, I have my cheat meals all the time, but if I'm coming up to a game, you know, I'll, I'll tone down. I'll get the right weight going because yeah. it makes a difference. But yeah. if I um, if I go into a game a little slightly, a little bit heavy, I'm not going to be the same player. Yeah. You know, just with a little fraction of fat. So it's really important to me now to really get that, that down and really concentrate on that sort of stuff and training and power, power, power training, man. That's the key, man. you got to be fast. you got to be explosive. Got to get your diet right, and then you, mate, it's the game changer, basically. You know it is. If you're not doing that, then you're screwed. You're just yeah. going to be a bit of a slug, so yeah, going to feel lethargic and stuff like that. So, so is nutrition yeah. something that you want to get into post rugby? Um, yeah, I just studied it because, mate. To be honest, my biggest dream is to just coach and not just coach, but mentor and know everything. Not know everything. I don't want to be a know it all, but just be able to help people with everything if if they're on if they're on that journey to become the best rugby player that they can be you know so stuff off the field nutrition gym stuff you know i want to have all the tools you know to help change people's lives or not change but help them grow you know so that's probably why i got into that i just want to be able to you know help people so and to me that's a big part of it nutrition i never looked at nutrition when i was younger that was probably a big um big downfall you know but it's so important mate it's it's a big, big, big thing. So, And you're obviously yeah. having a massive influence on a lot of the uh, players over in Italy, especially looking at some of the questions. A lot of them have been inspired by playing mm. with you or you've taught them a lot over there. So um, that must be a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, it is, man. I love it. Um, yeah, it's cool, man. But I'm still a player. Um, I went through the player coaching and it's quite hard to balance. So if you put too much into your coaching and you're playing – fades away a little bit and vice versa so I went hard out on the coaching for a couple of years and I actually nearly got kind of they were like pulled me in for a meeting like what's going on with your plan I'm like well it's just I'm working overtime on everyone else you know yeah. give me a break because yeah. it's catch pass trying to put people in space and 
you know, you can't really do that over here. You've always got to be making the difference. But um, yeah, it's, mate, it's a great mate. I love it. Eh? I just, I think something happened to me, man. I started coaching. and I just realized this is my thing. Eh? This is, this is what makes me feel good. I think. I don't know if it's about me though, but I just enjoy helping people get better at rugby, but just not rugby, just life, you know, because it goes hand in hand, yeah. you know, something that I got told over and over and over and over again, but I didn't understand it until yeah. Yeah. you had to start trying to coach it and then you're like, oh my God, it's so true. It's so <laughs> true. You know? Yeah, so oh, it's cool, man. How good. Jeez, that's good stuff. What a journey to reflect on. But anyway, we've gone to the Instagram as always and we've got a heap of questions from you. Really? I didn't think anyone would know me, like, you know, with the kind of guys you've had on here, you know, it's like, I'm a bit intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first question. Um, tell us the story about the nickname, The Cat. Just The Cat, because I've got nine lives. Everybody keep giving me another life, mate. And also in Tasman, mate, I had the shits every Monday. So I was given my... um. Like my, I didn't get a cap for Tasman. I was in the training squad for like two or three years, I think. I only get a cap because I never turned up on Mondays or Tuesdays sometimes. I was on benders and I always ring in the same excuse. I've got the shits. I've yeah. got the shits. I've got, they can't, you know, they can't, they can't go wrong. Someone told me that, gave me that piece of advice and I went with it for a good year. <laughs> and I, I never went to train on a Monday. Even when I got my debut finally against Auckland and, um, Mate, that's another story. I got jammed by Jerome Kino, like you wouldn't believe, eh? Like the probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever had happen. I ended up like that with my arms crossed, going to try and tackle him, standing there, he scored under the sticks anyway. Then I got the next game against Canterbury, and you'd think they would kind of push me to train harder, like, yeah, let's get the next game. And um I also had bonuses if I played more games, so but then I ended up getting on a bender after the Canterbury game and not turning up Monday, Tuesday. I might have even missed Wednesday, to be honest, just because I had the shits. <laughs> and, then they, and then, yeah, I didn't make that team against Hawks Bay, I think it was. They had my name on the ticket, and Sione, he had to take take my spot, but he had my name on his ticket or something like that. Oh, yeah. The benders, jeez. <laughs> the never-ending bender benders. boy, mate. Holy hell. I love the bender. <laughs> okay. Tell us a story why you didn't play number nine when you started playing rugby. Oh, that was an easy one because there, there was a girl there and, you know, she wouldn't get tackled, so she got to play nine <laughs> and I didn't. Otherwise, mate, I would have been one of the greatest nines to ever walk this face of the earth, I swear to God. I, I was still, I, I'm still ready to transition, mate. As soon as I lose my speed, I'm going to nine, mate. I'm, I'm going to do another few years at nine. Just got to work on my bad side pass off the deck and oh, mate, I'm golden. Oh, mate, I'm snipey. I'm snipey as they come. Imagine me sniping around there, eh, Jimmy? Fuck, you can't imagine it, mate. I'm dangerous. Yeah, tough to defend. I wouldn't want to play outside you too often, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm taxing all day. I'm having a quick crack and maybe you'll get it. <laughs> okay, you've got this one a few times. Um, it's about your nickname, Megatron. What part of you is called the Megatron and why? Well, actually, if we go back, I think like, because I was born addicted to heroin, I had a few deformities in life. So I had a, a third nipple, and um, the other one was a gigantic penis. So um, <laughs> they started calling me Megatron. <laughs> small balls, though, real small balls. <laughs> Couple of good deformities. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Okay. 
uh, most successful pickup line in the early 2000s? Early 2000s, want a pump. Definitely want a pump. <laughs> just used to, I used to write like 100 girls. I actually did a challenge on um, Tinder, I think it was. Let's write 100 girls, want a pump, want a pump, want a pump, want a pump, want a pump. <laughs> I actually got a pump. That was crazy. Got <laughs> <laughs> a couple, actually. <laughs> okay. How many hearts have you broken? Oh, a few. Not that many. Just a couple. But, you know, I've actually learned about that in life too, you know. If you have a relationship with girls, try not to hurt them, you know, as much as you can because, you know, it, it does, you know, it's, it's not good. I don't know how to talk about this. But <laughs> I, actually, I, actually, I actually stopped having a girlfriend for um, many, many years because I didn't want to break any more hearts. So, True. yeah, I just stopped having a girlfriend. Now I got one. Yeah, and we've been we've been together for six years, and we actually just broke up recently. So oh. it's been a nice breakup. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Back in the game. I'm back in the game. That's it. Okay. Next question: Would you rather take a crash ball or a bounce ball? Oh come on, mate. Do we need to answer that? I've been taking a crash ball since 1984. <laughs> <laughs> Bounce all day. Okay. <laughs> what are the keys to a well-executed flinny scrum move? There's always the same moves. There's one, two, dummy cut, out ball. Oh, That's you're on a, the bounce. One, two, dummy cut, out ball. Because usually when that 13 sees the cut happening, he turns his head in, and then at that moment I do a little bounce. Oh, gone. And then if that 10 puts the, puts the money on, the ball on the money, and then it's like, come on, catch me if you can. <laughs> winger turns his hips on three, winger shuts, and I give the ball. You know? Oh, too Pretty easy. easy. Oh, I, made, I, made a I made a living off that move, mate. <laughs> I've made a living for eight years off that move. <laughs> Pins, Rob Penny actually said, because I was like in Canberra, like, can we do this move? And he's like, have you ever done it against anyone good? And I think I actually tried it on Andrew Goodman. I'm wondering. He got me, though. He did get me. I thought I'd get him on that one. But he did get back just like bootlaces. I think if we did it again, he'd fail. Tell him that, too. Tell him that. Okay. Uh, can you ask him if he's ever been fined for swimming in the Fountain of Rome? Oh, no, that was when I first got to send him out. Because, like, you know in New Zealand how you get nude all the time? Do we still get nude all the time? <laughs> uh, yeah. Some do. Yeah, I used to get naked all the time. So it was oh, kind of normal for me. So, like, I, um, I got over to uh, Italy and, you know, there's a fountain. And just got... Oh, that's another one. I've actually jumped in a couple of fountains nude. Oh, yeah, the one in Rome, yep, we got, yep, mate. Too many fountains, too much jumping in fountains, too many stories on that. <laughs> <laughs> Big fines as well. If you get caught, you get like a 300 euro fine, 400. So did you get I caught? I got away with it once. Oh, you got away? Nah, I walked off. I walked off, but a couple of boys did. So Walked off nude? Nah, nah. I had, my, oh, I had my undies on, right? So I went jumping in my undies and I, I was so drunk that I forgot that I jumped in the uh, fountain and I put, had my jeans on and my jeans started seeping through <laughs> and I thought I'd pissed myself. I was like standing in the next bar like, oh, fuck, I've pissed myself. <laughs> I can't believe I pissed myself. What an embarrassment. But I forgot that I jumped in a lake before Monday's away. <laughs> oh, loose. Okay, last question. If you could go back as a 19-year-old, Robbie Flynn, what would you do? As a 19-year-old, listen to everything everybody ever told me. Train my ass off every day. Wake up, train, wake up, train, pass, kick craft my like build my craft honestly i would honestly i would become the ultimate machine of rugby i swear to god i would but like, you give me another crack at that i would be jimmy but i would mate because 
if you get you realize after you lose it, like you get one chance, eh? You get one talent, and you should use it as much as you can. There's so many people with less talent than me that do better than me. You know, it's like fuck. Just imagine if I just, just imagine if I just went hard out. You know, like took it to the next level and trained every day on it, mate. Could have been amazing. Could have been who knows. You know, the the the. Who knows, man? So that's that's one thing I definitely would have done. Stop drinking as well, and uh, probably cut my dick off. <laughs> would you genuinely have stopped drinking? Do you reckon? Because you've obviously been well, a lot of it's been around being on the purse benders and stuff. But you've obviously had a real good time. As a nineteen-year-old, would you have committed to not drinking for your whole career? Well, I have, man. I've quit drinking two times in my life for like nine months stints. One time I went eleven months. Like. Mate, it's, it wasn't really the drink. It was more the um, the temptation. It was more the girls, to be honest, bro. Yeah. I love girls. I love pussy. <laughs> like every other man. And, like, you know, they liked me too. So <laughs> they would tempt you into doing things and partying and you just keep going. And, mate, honestly, I'd, I know I had a problem with the alcohol and shit, but it's not like I was an alcoholic. It's not like I woke up, like, needing a drink. It was yeah. just once I started partying... I just loved partying because there was girls around. I liked that environment. I liked talking to girls, like that connection. I, maybe it's something I missed in my childhood. I don't know, but I really enjoyed that woman connection. So it was a big distraction for me, really big. It wasn't so much the alcohol. It was more the woman, but the woman and alcohol go hand in hand. Yeah. You know, I, I, to be honest, I don't really like drinking. I love it, but the taste doesn't do it for me. You know. You just do it because what it's the, associated the vibes. with. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, my man. Exactly. True, man. What a journey, yeah, the great Robbie Flynn. Man, I'd love to, like you said, I'd love to go back. Um, if we could transport you back 10, 12 years and just <laughs> see what a player you could have become, knowing what you know now. Uh, no doubt yeah. in my mind, you would have been an All Black and potentially one of the greats. But we can only look back yeah. and reflect now. And um, but for you to come on here and share what you've learned and share um, your journey, so honestly and openly um it's been awesome to hear um i hope it's as inspiring for everyone else listening out there especially the ones who are hoping to become professional rugby players listening to robbie and hearing um sort of what not to do and man the regret that he has wishing that he um, listened to the advice that he had when he had the chance um i think it's real powerful stuff and i think it will change a lot of people's uh futures so really appreciate you coming on the show bro and um, being so honest and open Cheers, Jimmy, man. It's, oh, I appreciate it, man. It's good to catch up with you. Good to see your bloody smiling face again, man, to be honest. So, and hey, I hope it sends a good message out there. I know it's a bit raw and a bit honest, and mate, but hey, that's the truth, eh? And, um, you know, we all grow. We all learn from mistakes, and we all move on, and it's how, it's how you do that, to be honest. We're all evolving as people, and, you know, I'm not finished yet, so I'm ready for my next chapter, and let's go. That's it. Love your work. Cheers, oh, brother. Thanks, heaps. <laughs> Sweet, brother. So real quick, I have an offer for you from Pure Sports CBD to give you a perfect chance to try this Unreal product. It's certified for athletes. You can get it anywhere in the world you are listening to this, New Zealand included, and most importantly, it works. So the offer is 20% off. All you have to do is type in what a lad with no spaces with a 20 on the end, 2-0 in the promo code, and you're away.